The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a closer look at today's price action with our guest, Margie Patel, Senior Portfolio Manager at Allspring Global Investments. Marky, thanks for being with us. So we had a number of Fed officials. We just laid it out. Uh, they are basically saying, hey, we've got a long way to go until inflation is under control. With the signs that we've already seen of slower growth, are you worried about an environment of stagflation? Uh, no, I'm more worried about the Fed over-tightening and it causing a real recession rather than the little dips that we've had for the last two quarters. So do you think the market's priced in that risk? Um, well, I think the market is really torn between saying the Fed is almost done. That's why we had rates spike up in mid-June. The market plunge. <clears throat> We've had the market recover over 15%. Treasury rates are down 70 basis points on the hope that the Fed would, after one or two more rises, would be ready to start to ease again. Um, but it looks as if they have something more longer term in mind. And it seems to me that they have great confidence in their ability to control inflation by raising rates. And I think it's because they're comforted by the very low unemployment rate, by the fact you haven't seen any big jumps in unemployment, that you still have labor shortages. So they, it looks like so far so good. They're raising rates. <clears throat> the economy is slowing down, but we have no problems with labor. We don't have millions and millions of people out of work at this point. Yeah, we have so the jobs report on Friday. Jim Buller today was pretty much uh, in the camp of uh, a soft landing. Whether or not that can be engineered, we'll have to wait and see. But you were talking about inflation a moment ago, and I'm wondering whether in your scenario, it's going to be shallow and kind of quick, or whether deep and more prolonged. I think inflation already has peaked and is coming down. You see that in lots of incremental data that we're seeing, and I think that'll continue. And what we're seeing, though, especially with global growth slowing down pretty much around the world, uh, whether you look at Europe, you look at now this new unrest that we're seeing in China, that says that's not the precondition for high inflation. That's more for lower growth, if not global recession. And I think inflation will come down. Uh, rather quickly over the next year. My concern is the Fed is focusing on those those uh, backward-looking inflation numbers and want to continue to tighten. And again, I think it's because they feel they're on the right course because we haven't had a big jump in unemployment and unemployment claims. I think when you start to see that, then you'll see the Fed change their tune. Quite a bit of breathing room between now and the next Fed meeting in September. Where does the balance of probabilities lie in terms of the magnitude of rate hike, and and where do you see the benchmark rate settling? Well, I think that they, depending on how they judge the market conditions, 50 basis or maybe 75 basis, maybe they feel they'd, they'd like to be more aggressive and take care of that. And then really you're approaching the election, and so they typically have liked to be on an even keel, not act 
right in front of the election. So I think they would maybe lean towards a larger increase so then they can be quiet through the election period before resuming their their upward rise. And um, Margie, to what degree do you think the investing environment has changed now in terms of more being underpinned by fundamentals rather than a seemingly bottomless Fed punch bowl? And in that context, where do you look for opportunities? Well, I think it's uh, hard here because we're seeing growth slow down pretty much in all sectors. So I don't think any sector will be immune. Uh, we still like the healthcare sector because we think there'll be secular growth there, and it's a fairly priced um, sector. We like industrials because we think there will be a lot of capital expenditures and a lot of reshoring, so companies will benefit from that. And also technology. Uh, technology is, is a volatile sector. There's a lot of nervousness about uh, how much pressure it's going to come in. But still, it's a uh, companies that are highly liquid. Many of them pay attractive dividends, and many of them are still in sectors that will have above-average secular growth. So we think that uh, you know we may we may add to some things here that go down in price over the next year, but we're positioned for when growth resumes somewhere down the road, which looks. Uh, possibly uh, late in 23. Yeah, J.P. Morgan was saying today the outlook for the equity market in the States is improving for the second half given attractive valuations. And if it's an issue of valuation, you got to look offshore. And I would imagine that you've got to like what you see in many markets in Asia, no? Well, no, because when you look at the economic picture, it looks as if the U.S. should have one of the relatively better growth rates of major economies. Europe looks as if it's on the brink of a recession. Uh, when you look at Asia, China's growth has materially slowed. And a lot of the emerging markets in the Asian market uh, are very closely tied to their trade with China. So we, we think it's rather hard to see accelerating vibrant growth from those countries when they're tied to China, which is just undergoing some kind of a slowing. So we think the U.S. is probably going to be one of the better places to be investing in. Yeah, we've got the CSI 300 now on the brink of a correction. Uh, you obviously don't look at this as a buying opportunity, I'm guessing. Well, not when the fundamentals look as if they uh, they are still deteriorating and we don't see a turnaround in sight. When you're looking at the credit markets right now, what are you seeing? I mean, we've talked about the volatility in U.S. Treasuries and some of the benchmark rates. How are you seeing a corporate credit stack up in the environment uh, that we're in right now? Yesterday, we had a story about Apple coming to market to raise $5.5 billion to buy back stock. Well, you know, it's it's a great example. Um, many, many companies have borrowed over the last, say, five years when rates were very, very low, simply because they could, because they said it's a very, very cheap way to ensure liquidity uh, so they don't have to worry about uh, their business slowing or inflation going up or the banks becoming more restrictive. So we think corporations are in great shape. Um, Apple is uh, one of the largest, but it's clearly typical. Many companies have borrowed. And even if you look at high-yield, below-investment-grade companies, they, too, have borrowed over the last, uh, really, since the financial crisis ended five, seven years to improve their balance sheets, to refinance their bank debt, to term out shorter maturities with long maturities. So they, too, are in great shape. So we think the, the whole credit market, especially high yield, is attractive here because companies' balance sheets are probably in better shape than they've ever been so they can withstand a slower economy. At the same time, do you see many zombie companies wandering the landscape at the moment? <laughs> uh, do, you, do you expect to see some bankruptcies as rates rise? Uh, yes, um, or or just companies folding up. Uh, the the SPAC sector 
which uh, was really a creature of zero interest rates, uh, looks as if that's really come under a lot of pressure. Uh, certainly, cryptocurrencies look as if that's under pressure. In the high-yield market, those in the public market actually look in pretty good shape. I would say the more marginal credits really went the route of, of uh, borrowing in the private market, uh, and the, in the loan market. And if there's stress, we may see it more in the loan market because the lower-tier companies found they could get better rates by doing the loan market rather than coming to the public high-yield market. So the quality of the high-yield market, uh, bonds outstanding, is probably one of the best it's ever been. And defaults are running around mm-hmm. 1%. Uh, and there aren't any major themes that suggest mm-hmm. to me we'll see a big, big jump in defaults in high-yield. All right. Maggie Patel, thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Maggie is Senior Portfolio Manager at Allspring Global Investments. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.